God's building according to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder I laid a foundation and another man is building upon it let each man take care how he builds upon it for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundations with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that temple you are. Peace be with you, the reader, and with your spirit. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up in the hills by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was many furlongs distant from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately he spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, have no fear. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. 
He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, O man of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they entered the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to land at Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today's gospel is the sequel exactly to last Sunday's gospel. Where last Sunday's gospel left off, this Sunday's gospel picks it up. And so I want to remind you that when it says that Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, this is immediately after Jesus has fed over 10,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And I want to remind you that... The first thing that Jesus did when the disciples reminded him that the day was far spent and that these people had been there all day long listening to Jesus' teaching and the sick being healed, Jesus said, well, what do you have to offer them? And he asked them that question because he wanted them to realize that they did not have what it took. Their five loaves and their two fish that they could gather from this young boy that was with them was not going to be enough by itself. And so the disciples, when they beheld this wonderful miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men and the over 10,000 people, they beheld a miracle that they were impotent to carry out themselves, that they were dependent wholly on Jesus to multiply these loaves and these fish. And they were amazed when they distributed them to all of these people and they ate to their fill. And then after, each of them had a basket of leftovers. Now Jesus commands them on their own to get into a boat and to cross the Sea of Galilee, something that many of them had done countless times. It's important that we remember that many of them had done this countless times. They were fishermen by occupation. They knew the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hand. And so they got into the boat in obedience to Jesus and they shoved off and they started to go to the other side of the sea. And it says that 
The wind came up, and the waves beat against them, and all night long they were unable to successfully traverse the Sea of Galilee, which is not a large sea. It's not a sea at all. It's a lake. And even by lake standards, it's not that large. And so, again, the disciples realize their inability on their own to do something. And they are humbled. And it's interesting that Jesus, while the disciples are laboring unsuccessfully to cross the Sea of Galilee, He goes up into the hills by Himself in order to pray in order to commune in an intimate and intense way with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he shows us that in order to do this, you have to quiet down. You have to be alone. You have to quiet and still the mind. You have to guard and watch over the senses. You have to bring the mind and the heart and all of the senses and all of the human person and all of its members to an integrated whole and bring them together and fix them in quietude and stillness and peacefulness and focused and attentiveness on God. This is the only way for us to encounter God. And Jesus, who is always, 100% of the time, in full communion with God, simply does this in order, as man, to show us the way. Now, I want you to, as I was describing the state that Jesus was in, in the mountains, the hills there by the Sea of Galilee, all by himself, at nighttime, when everyone else was sleeping except his disciples who were struggling and laboring, I want you to compare that to your everyday life. How often do you have in your life where you get away from everybody, where you are in a place of quiet, of stillness, of solitude, where you watch over with attentiveness your thoughts and you reject them, where you do not listen to your senses, where you focus your mind into your heart and all of your body and all of your person is integrated and attentive in prayer. I would suggest that that probably doesn't happen too often. Our very world, our very society, the way things are constructed in our 21st century America is not conducive to this type of environment. If we're going to achieve this, it's going to be because we intentionally struggle for it. We intentionally carve it out. We sacrifice other things in order to find that lonely space and that time to connect with God and more importantly, have Him be able to connect with us. Now, back to the story. 
So Jesus knew what was happening, even while he was praying and communing with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it says that in the fourth watch of the night, that means that the night is almost all gone. The dawn is almost ready to break. Jesus then walks across the Sea of Galilee as if it is land. And he catches up to the boat that the disciples are in. Now keep in mind that this is during the middle of a storm and the wind and the waves are chopping. There are white caps. It's beating against the boat. And these disciples have been up all night not praying. Maybe praying, but not praying like Jesus has been praying. And they're exhausted. And they're scared. Now I've shared with you, uh, one time I was in... Israel, and I was around the Sea of Galilee, and we were in Tiberias, and there was a market, and there was a postcard. And in Tiberias, there's a restaurant that at the second story has a deck that goes out over the Sea of Galilee, two stories above the ground. And there was a storm, and the waves were crashing over the top of the deck, two stories. And I thought to myself, This little lake can create that kind of storm. Now it makes sense what the disciples were working against and why as fishermen in these little boats they would be scared even though this was their profession. They respected the lake. They knew the forces of nature. But Jesus, being God and having power over all of His creation, was able to traverse that, catch up to the boat, And the disciples, seeing him walking on the water, never having seen that before, in the nighttime, they were scared to death. And they thought it was a ghost. They couldn't even with their mind wrap themselves around what they were seeing. And Jesus gave them peace. He assured them that it was he. And then he did something. In the midst of the storm... In the midst of the waves and the wind, he bid Peter to come to him on the water. To show that not only could he, as God and man, be Lord over all of nature, but he could command someone else to have the same grace and the same power. And so Peter, who loved Jesus very much, And even though he struggled from time to time, he still had great faith. You would have to, to step off the boat and to walk towards anyone who bids you in those conditions. And you know what? Step by step by step, he was doing what Jesus had done. He was so focused on the Lord who had invited him to step out of the boat He wasn't noticing at all the wind or the waves. He wasn't even self-conscious. He was at the moment that he was taking those steps across the water, 100% Jesus conscious. And I'll tell you why we know that. Because the moment he got distracted and he began to notice the wind and the waves and himself... He lost his focus on Jesus and he immediately began to sink. You see, this entire gospel passage and the context in which it's found is a lesson in 
mankind's inability to do anything on its own, apart from the power of God. They couldn't feed the 5,000. They couldn't cross the Sea of Galilee. And Peter could not, on his own, walk on water. It was only by the power of Jesus that he was able to multiply the five loaves and the two fish. It was only by the power of Jesus that Peter was able to walk on the water. And it's interesting that he said, Lord, save me. And he reached up his hand. Jesus grabbed him, pulled him up, brought him safely to the boat, and calmed the storm immediately. Once they were in the boat, they were able to successfully cross to the other side and to continue on their journey. This gospel comes at such a perfect time to remind us that we can do nothing. And I mean nothing. I can't even have a thought. I can't even breathe. I have no life in myself, in myself. I have no existence, no being, no vitality without God. Not one day happens without God. He didn't just create the world and then put it out there and let it operate on its own. He sustains everything by His will, by His goodwill, by His love. And without His sustaining power, we would not be. But we forget that. How many of you think about that each day? How many of you think about the fact that you do not even have existence without God? We go the whole day sometimes not remembering Him. We go days without thanking Him. We go thinking that we're smart, that we're healthy, that we're successful, that we're happy, that we're blessed. But we really take credit for a lot of that, if not most of it, ourselves. We need to realize that we have nothing and are nothing without God. And that with God, that we are something very, very special. Made in His image, called to be like Him, with every tool and ability to commune with Him and be partakers of His divine nature, not just now, not just in part, but forever and ever and ever more fully from glory to glory to glory. God wants us to be 100% totally fulfilled in every way that is needful for us. But what we need to do is we need to remember that we are totally dependent upon God. And the more we remember that and give over and into that, then the more fully we will experience Him now and forever. And so I said it's a perfect time to read this gospel because it finds us in this two-week fast period, right at the beginning of August, the last month of summer vacation for you students. And you might think to yourself, I hate this fast. 
comes at a most inconvenient time. But I say it comes at a most convenient time. Because it pauses us. It says, stop. Remember. Set aside this time to fast. Set aside this time every evening during these first 14 days to come to church. Either for a Vesper service, for a liturgy, or for the most beautiful supplication services. Asking for the intercessions of the Mother of God. Remembering that it's not just God that we need, but we need the communion of the saints. We need each other. God does not ever save anyone alone. Every single human being who will be saved will be saved in the context of community. You are made in the image of God who is a perfect community of three. And therefore, by your very nature, you are communal. You cannot do it on your own. Yes, you need God. But you also need the saints and you need each other. We need each other. And so this fast period at the end of the summer stops us and says, Remember your impotence. Remember your weakness. Remember your dependency. Remember your insufficiency. Turn to God. Turn to His Mother. Turn to the saints. And turn to one another. So my desire and plea for each of us is that we during these 15 days get back into the habit like our Lord of getting away each day finding a quiet place finding within us stillness and peacefulness and integrity focus and attentiveness and watchfulness and pray. And then once a day, come together as a community with that same watchfulness and pray in community. Asking for the help of God, asking for the intercessions of the Mother of God and all the saints and for one another. Because you're not just asking for one another, you're praying for one another during these most beautiful supplication services. And God knows we need it. We need it as a community. And this community needs to pray for the greater community that surrounds it. So if we go home remembering anything this day, let us remember that we need God and all the saints. And we need each other. And we cannot be saved on our own. Amen.